Hello and welcome to episode 146 of the Waters Wavelength Podcast. I am Anthony Malakian and I am joined by James Rundle. Hello. So we've been away for two weeks. We were planning on doing one before the week before Thanksgiving, but have a massive, massive issue that's uh, coming out for the December issue. Um, And it just took up too much of our time. We're like, you know, we're going to come on. We're going to do a very, very bad rush job. So let's just... We were going to still do that today. Oh, of but, course, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, but, I mean, we were going to have a guest as well today, Blockery, but uh, you know, it's, when we're recording this, we're going to press today. So unfortunately, apologies to them. We've had to push it back by a couple of weeks, but we'll hear from them again shortly. Yeah, absolutely. So what we're going to use our time here today for is to look at our big events coming up on Monday, December 3rd, uh, our annual Waters USA conference. Um, it's going to be held at the Convene, which is on 117 West 46th Street in New York, New York. Um, yeah, new venue. Not the new Marriott. New venue, not the Marriott Marquis. So, yeah. Thank you. We're going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I'm excited. I actually went to, there was another event. I can't remember. Maybe it was, was it T-Sam? No, it wasn't T-Sam. Maybe it was T-Sam, but it was that same kind of the Convene. It's really, really nice mm-hmm. setup that they have there. Um, so yeah, uh, the, the vent space, uh, will be very, very nice and different, uh, from our other events that you may have attended. So we're not going to go through the full agenda here. Uh, we'll link to the agenda. Um, I will just say that if you are an end user, it is free for you to attend. Um, mm-hmm. all you have to do is register for it. So that's reach buy out side or sell side, right? Buy so, side or sell side. Yeah. Yep. Um, if you are a vendor, there's a fee that you'll have to pay to enter, um, and if you want to sponsor, there's, um, we have a lot of sponsors for us already, I know, and a lot of really good names that are going to be kind of showing off their products. Um, but I'm sure that, you know, we'll, we'll always take money. I'm pretty sure. You oh, know? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I can't, I can't imagine our sales are going, nope, sorry, no, I'm sorry. I, I can't possibly take your can't money. Possibly. For this. <laughs> can't possibly. Um, so let's just, I'm going to lay out a couple things and then James will kind of hit on, uh, maybe some of the things that we're going to be most interested about here. Yeah. About. Yeah. Again, not going through the whole agenda, but just starting off, there is a pre-event briefing. Uh, we'll focus on women in technology and data. We did this last year as well. Uh, it's a closed door event. Uh, there was breakfast, um, both men and women, uh, are welcome, um, to discuss issues around gender equality and what's needed to ensure inclusion and change. We have speakers from Oppenheimer, Alliance Bernstein, RBC, JP Morgan, Tata Consulting, Duco, and Blackstone Group. But really, this is meant to be kind of an interactive, you know, people bringing up ideas and just kind of discussing challenges. Um, and again, that's all off the record. Uh, journalists won't be there. Um, well, they might be there, but they we might be, yeah, we we report they, anything, so. they might just be interested to hear about, um, you know, some of the, the challenges faced. But yeah, so that's going to be from 745 to 855. So journalists won't be there. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, so I will not be right. there that early. I mean, if they want to put me up in uh, Marriott or no, in a hotel near the event, yeah, then exactly. uh, yeah, sure, I will be there. Otherwise, coming in from Brooklyn, no chance. No, listen, I'm just hoping that this time my Uber driver doesn't get arrested. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The conference. <laughs> yeah, last time James came to an event, he was supposed to open up the event. It's my first event as editor as well. And first, I was just like, very first event. Pressure and on this one. That was a nice thing too. I showed up and I was all bright eyed, bushy tailed because I was like, I don't have to do it. I no longer have to be the host to chair these events. He was wearing jeans and a sports jacket yeah. for God's sake. And <laughs> then all of a sudden I walk in and Brian like, uh, James's cab got pulled over and so you might have to open this. I'm like, ah! <laughs> I've never, literally never seen a man look as happy as he was when I walked in that yeah. door, like a minute before I was supposed to go on stage. Yeah. Went, oh, cool. You're here. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, and then just ran go. off. Uh, yeah. Scampered. 
So speaking of chair and event, the event will officially kick off at 9 o'clock with uh, 9 a.m. with opening remarks from our very own James Rundle. Actually, and I've managed to get my way out of that. So it's now Victor Anderson, our editor-in-chief, ah, who's giving those damn it. I really had a good sick burn for you. I was going to be like, and if you've never heard James Rundle speak at 9 a.m. in the morning, let me tell you, yeah, it is you, like you listening to Churchill treat. come alive, you know? <laughs> Well, Victor's actually good at that. Yeah, so yeah, he'll be. Uh, you'll get to see Victor, who will be in from London. If you like me on the podcast, you will love me on stage in front of <laughs> hundreds of people. Trust me. <laughs> There's uh, a reason I'm a print journalist. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then from there, uh, if you've been to one of our conferences, it'll follow a somewhat similar process to what you've seen. We have an opening C-level panel. Uh, we have CTO of Blackstone and longtime Waters Wavelength contributor Bill Murphy. Bill Murphy. Uh, he'll be moderating a panel that will include BMO Financial Group, uh, Voya Financial, WorldQuant, all senior executives from these uh, companies, um, and, and a, a few others that they're still locking in. Um, and then from there, we're not going to go point by point through this agenda. What I will say is this. Um, I'm going to I'm going to hit on three things, three four things that I think will be big topics and then we'll kind of get into it. So, first you got uh Cloud's going to be big on the day. AWS is giving a presentation and I will be speaking with somebody later in the afternoon from Microsoft um about cloud and how it fits into the crypto space. Um and so there's a uh, somebody from a crypto di- uh, digital security uh firm there. Um so that will be a good conversation. So there'll be a lot of Com, uh, conversation around that man hopefully i do a better job up on stage than i'm doing <laughs> right at that moment um as you might expect ai will be a big focus uh that morning uh I'll, we will be publishing i have a feature coming out that's going to be another five six thousand words looking at deep learning which is a subset of machine learning which is a subset of ai yeah. um and a lot of the people that i spoke with several people i spoke with will be speaking on one of the panels there and i can definitely say that you know, not only are they very, very intelligent, but for somebody like a layperson like me that, you know, I don't know anything, you know, about AI, like I, you know, I, I don't program, I don't do any of that. Um, they did a great job of explaining in real plain terms, in conversational terms, you know, the benefits and challenges around AI. So I think that I'm, I'm really looking forward to, uh, we have two panels kind of looking around that. Yeah, one of them was great, actually. HSBC, Synecron, BNP Paribas, Credit yeah. Suisse, Morgan Stanley. This is all heavier. So yeah, it's so. going to be really, really good. Um, and then data, that's going to be front and center. Uh, there's a whole panel on alternative data and, structure and, and unstructured data. Um, the keynote address will be by uh, Sandeep uh, Sahota, if I'm getting that name, hopefully I'm getting that name right, <laughs> of the Canadian Pension Plan Investment Board. He's going to be giving a presentation on some of the trials and errors that they went through in their data program. Um, and then, obviously, regulation and reg tech is going to be a big focus. And then another reason just to come out is Kathy Besant, uh, the Chief Operations and Technology Officer for all of Bank of America, is going to be there. Uh, and she'll be interviewed by Victor Anderson. So a lot of good stuff uh, at this event. Yep. Um, we're not just saying that. Trust me. I think if you've been listening to us for a long time, we will rip on us when we deserve to be ripped on. Uh, yeah. This is something where... Especially I, our events, trust yeah, me. Exactly. This is, uh, you know. <laughs> um, this is something where uh, really, really good stuff. Again, if you are an end user, it is free to attend. Reach out to James and I and we'll hook you up uh, yeah. with a pass. Um, or else then we will link to it so you can go and register on your own. Uh, definitely, definitely worth attending. There's going to be a ton of C-level executives from some of the biggest buy side and sell side firms, from tons of different vendors. 
Um, so yeah, it's a really, really good event. Yeah. So let's take a step back now. Those are kind of the broad themes. What for you are you kind of hoping to hear about? What What are you kind of if we're kind of using this December event to kind of kick off what some of our thinking will be as far as coverage for 2019? Yeah. What do you kind of hope to hear from this? I think the key thing uh, that I really want to hear is, well, not the key thing necessarily, but the approach I want to hear is going a little bit deeper on things. Like I've been to a lot of conferences this year, whether it's TSAM, whether it's SSNC Deliver, whether it's uh, you know other Tab outside forum. events, Tab Forum, yeah. um, some of the crypto events as well. And like everyone's talking about this stuff, but it's all surface level things. Mm-hmm. Like what is AI and how can we use it in risk management and yeah. that kind of thing? Like. You know, I think we're a little bit beyond that now in the conversation. And what I find interesting about this and what I'm really looking forward to is it's a nice split between the end users. So, I mean, you, you know, you've got every big name you can think of there. You've got City, you've got Wells Fargo, you've got on the sell side, you've got everything, um, Morgan Stanley. But also the tech providers as well, like the people who are actually doing this stuff. So Amazon Web Services, you know, you've got Catherine Van Nuys there um, who is hosting uh, a partner hub and a spotlight stage. You've got mm-hmm. uh, the guy from Microsoft that you're interviewing. Um, yeah, name How Bush, that's it. Um, obviously very well known in the industry as well. Um, and these are the guys who are really kind of at the forefront of things like cloud and things like AI and things like um, blockchain, distributed ledger. And I think more importantly, they're the glue of how it all comes together. And that's the key part, I think, that a lot of people don't focus on. Like yeah. Everyone's taken AI and they've taken blockchain and they've taken um, various subsets of AI in, in, sort of in isolation. But really what we're focusing on, I think what we have been doing gently this year, probably more so next year, is looking at how that all comes together with cloud as foundation and what the future state of market tech is. Yeah. And I think this is what's going to be interesting is actually if you look at the agenda and you look at who's speaking, all these guys are really at the kind of the cold face with this. And that's what I'm hoping to hear. Um, it's just nice as well to have something that's just a pure tech conference. Yeah. <laughs> rather than say, I mean, we talk about this all the time. And I guess this plays into kind of how Waters is going to develop next year. Um, you know, we obviously are a capital markets magazine and we cover the issues relating to technology in the capital markets. But, I mean, increasingly, I think, you know, 25 years ago when Waters launched, those were two very separate things. You had the trading yeah. side, you had the tech side, you have data side, you have everything else. Yeah. Now it's just, that's the business, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, tech and markets are the business and, uh, you know, there should be more of a focus on the actual specifics of the tech, which I think is a thing we've heard from readers and something we're trying to put forward. Well, I, I think that, you know, perhaps in the the past, a challenge of it always was because people were so siloed in their jobs between I am a tech platform builder, you know, provider, I am a data specialist, I am just locked into the buy side, and I only know buy side, I'm just mm-hmm. locked into sell side, I only know sell side. What you're finding more and more is because of technological advancements, everybody is facing very, very similar issues, um, whether it's tech, whether it's data, whether it's buy side, whether it's sell side. There's so much overlap and there's so much insight that can be gleaned. And, you know, quite frankly, you know, it, the where I th- what, what I'm like I said, I'm happy to see the tech conference rather than some of the other industry events that say that they're kind of tech conferences, but then it's still kind of talking about high-level operations, high-level you know, regulation, stuff like that, but they're not yeah. talking about the nitty-gritty of tech. Um, I think that you're even seeing it in, like, retail finance, you know, that there's so much of just everyday technology that's seeping into how we interact with trading systems today, with um, the, type of da- the types of data sets that we're using today, the techniques around AI and yeah. natural language processing, machine learning, things like that. There's so much commonality 
that it's much, I think, easier today perhaps to have that open discussion and not lose a ton of people in the crowd because they, you know, yeah, so get into specifics around the technology and everybody will kind of be on board and understand. We're not saying, here, go up and write your, uh, you know, your your algorithm, you know, code, Jesus Christ, I don't even know how you describe it, and I've only been doing this for nine years, you know? Uh, so, well, the, yeah, I guess the, that's... The interesting thing I found is I had a few of my contacts email me, actually, and just say, look, uh, can you get me into this conference? I need to come because I need to understand how this is now part of my job. Like, yeah. it's not... It's not the question used to be how it's going to affect my job. Now it's how this is part of my job. Yeah. Um, including from people who are thinking, well, I know. My way of doing the work, which I've been doing for decades, is now obsolete. So yeah. I, just, I need to figure out how I fit into this now as a sales trader or as a, um, an execution trader. How is my job yeah. going to change yeah. as a how result has it changed? of this? How has it changed yeah, exactly. and how is it going to change? What new skills do I really need do to I develop need? Exactly. in order to stay ahead of this curve? Because I'm a big believer in, especially like looking at AI, that, yeah, there's tons of jobs that will be lost through to AI. Yeah. And people always like to cite that McKinsey report, uh, X amount of banking jobs will be lost. But then if you read the whole report, they say, yes, X amount of jobs are going to be lost. There's also going to be tons more jobs that are going to be created or jobs will be completely repurposed and just different than what they were today. Yeah. So it's it's not just, oh, we lose 20,000 and that's it. Those guys or 20 million jobs and that's it. They're gone forever. No, no, there's new jobs created and then there's a redefining of jobs within a bank, um, within a within a hedge fund, and I think that everybody's kind of coming around to that idea that I do have to understand uh, specific use cases of natural language processing. How does that work? I do have to understand how cloud technologies are changing um, the way that I interact with my clients, with other people um, in the industry, things like that. Well, things like AI, I mean, perfect example, I went to the uh, the Great Beer Expo at Nassau Coliseum a couple of weekends ago, and uh, I took James, a, always relating it back to beer. Always back to beer. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, this is where it comes from. And uh, I, just, I snapped a selfie with my wife and a couple of our friends and uploaded it to Facebook. Mm-hmm. And uh, without me doing anything, they automatically recognized who they were and tagged them in that photo mm-hmm. and had it all set up, where I was, what I was attending, okay. what part, the, well, actually what stand. I was at within the beer expo yeah. without me doing a thing. So if you think about AI and you know all this kind of stuff and how it integrates your daily life, this is just happening at every level, not yeah. just work, but professional, uh, personal life as well. Yep. So yeah, I mean it's just an interesting topic. And um, and yeah, I guess uh, just finally, um, what I like about this conference is it's kind of a working conference, if that makes sense. So it's not just people on a panel telling you what they think and then you go yeah. and take your next go by the end of it. Throughout the whole thing, we've actually made this a point is that people will be demonstrating their software at the stands, not just standing there trying to give you a business card and trying to get yours for a sales yeah. lead, but actually showing you how it works with startup showcases. We have, um, you know, our usual kind of fintech awards and that kind of thing. Yeah, um, and we have like the there's a thing where people go around and have specialized tutorial kind of sessions yeah. on you know different topics uh, i can't remember i don't have them from you have them from well, you. and yeah. also the, the workshops look cool as well yeah the i mean workshops. like you know they had this crazy idea that we were going to host the workshops which we thankfully avoided yeah. we've, got, we've actually got actual adults to <laughs> yeah, do it now like, so you don't want to hear from us as you're hearing it from us no. but again we're just giving you the information as to what it is exactly. we don't know how these things work yeah we're just reporters right we are, <laughs> yeah. we've never been traders we've never worked on trading floor but like you know we're making got, a lot more money if we were <laughs> you got people like mike chen at panagora who are hosting workshops and alternative unstructured data sets mike Red Ziemski on startups, um, Charlie Dwyer on um, on regulatory strategy. You know all yeah. these all these good people, 
um, you get to talk to one on one and kind of like just throw stuff at them and yeah. hear it back. So, you know, it should be a really good day. I think it's and very much networking, very much. Uh, you know, just pull somebody aside and ask them the questions that you want to ask. And then hopefully yeah. stuff that's up on stage. You know, we also, you know, there's a lot of, you know, people asking questions from the audience and stuff like that. Yeah. And, like, the C-Level panel, be there for that. Bill Murphy is fantastic at moderating one of these because he really, you know, he asks pointed questions. He asks good follow-ups, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, He's so a better yeah. journalist than we'll ever be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so, yeah. Uh, again, that will be Monday, December yep. 3rd. Um, uh, Tuesday, I think. December 3rd is, is a Monday? Monday. Yeah. Are we sure about that? No. Let's check the phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Monday, December 3rd. Oh, God. Why have they done it on a Monday? Yeah. Okay. So. All right, good stuff. Um, there you go. <laughs> so, for those of you who have also won an award, it's going to be a very long Monday. Yeah. Because uh, we've got the American Financial Technology Award straight afterwards, um, yeah. which is invite only. But, yeah, pray for us on Tuesday. Um, um, so, yeah. Free to enter again. Reach out to us if you are an end user and you want to get a ticket, or we will link to it and you just easily just go and register. Bada bing, bada boom. Okay. All right. Um, we got to this. Like I said, we've canceled. We we pushed this back this conversation a little bit because of features that are coming in. We've already had a few that have gone up. Yeah. Uh, but James, you've been you're the editor of the magazine. You you've been editing all of these stories and awards and oh, yeah. everything. I'm really tired. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had a great Thanksgiving. Thanks, Tony. <laughs> no, it's going to be a good issue. Uh, so we've got, um, I think some of the highlights for me are uh, Amelia and I did a story on... Um, Amelia Axelson. Amelia Axelson, sorry, yes, from, from our data desk, uh, teamed up on a story on this data issue that regulators are having um, with Brexit in mind. Um the point being that once the UK leaves the European Union, there doesn't exist a data sharing kind of agreement between them. So everything could grind to a halt without that being negotiated beforehand. They're trying to put together a memorandum of understanding, um, but it doesn't really have the same kind of weight as like an equivalence determination or a separate treaty or something like that, which they can't do until the, Europe, and the UK leaves the European Union. Yeah. Um, so we kind of went deep on that. We spoke to a bunch of senior regulators, um, some... Um, people from actual platform providers who are having to deal with this as well in terms of the programming mm-hmm. um, and some consultants and uh, yeah I think it's a good piece um, then we had Wei Shen talking about custody in the crypto markets um, which was a really actually quite fascinating story she spoke to a couple of hedge funds um, some custodians including Euroclear about their plans to enter the crypto markets it kind of follows on from a new story she did last month that was quite well picked up mm-hmm. I think um, Hamad did a uh, report card for Brexit uh, for, not for Brexit for MFID 2 um, looking at things like best execution, double volume caps, systematic internalizers, reporting, and Brexit as well. And kind of seeing, you know, they came into force on January the 3rd. It's now December, the end of the year. How's it performed? Bit of a mixed picture. Um, and then Joe finally took a look at uh, tokenization. So the process of turning a physical asset into a digital asset to be traded on a blockchain or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, using the kind of the Royal Mint um, gold project as a hook, um, if you aren't aware. That's been kind of shuttered and put on the shelf now. The plan was that the CME group um, and uh, Alpha Point and various others were going to put a blockchain in place for the trading of gold at the Royal Mint, um, including ETFs and everything else, but the CME pulled out for reasons unknown months ago, um, and the Royal Mint has just gone, yeah, okay, we're not doing it now. Um, And then, of course, your masterpiece on deep learning. Absolutely. Well, Well, and uh, the, well, yes, the deep learning is going to be great. There's, I spoke with 
people from just uh, I'm just gonna just name drop uh, some of the companies here just sure. because yeah. how is that? Uh, why don't you tell them quickly about and the, cover. Uh, the cover, which is a great, cover great, is great. Co- this it's is going to be a fascinating cover. Probably one of the best kits we've ever had, actually. Um, so the cover is Beyond, Beyond Strewstrup. I can't, I'm sorry, I'm mispronouncing that. I've only <laughs> ever seen it in, like, in print form, not actually heard it. Um, Amelia David was the reporter who interviewed him. If you don't know uh, Beyond, he is a managing director at Morgan Stanley, probably more famous for being the inventor of C++, the programming yeah. language. Um, so Amelia talks to him a little bit about his job, but mostly about kind of what he did creating that language and how it's developed since then how it's being used in everything from Facebook and Twitter through to Bloomberg terminals and the back ends of banks. Um, so Morgan Stanley, he kind of, C++ was uh, created as a way to kind of, you know, enable data transfer. It's used a lot in video games and everything else. Um, that's kind of his job at Morgan Stanley now, is, is looking at how data kind of flows between various divisions of the banks. Yeah. It was a really interesting piece. He's a quite an interesting guy. Um, and a, a and really to create something that's so ubiquitous, that's, so ubiquitous, just, that's yeah. fascinating. And it's still being used to this day. Like, oh, right. It's still C++, the, yeah, it's 1979 he made it, I think. Yeah. And it's uh, you know coming up on uh, on a pretty significant milestone now. And yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's good. Um, so, yeah, and then uh, on uh, just to give you guys a preview of for the deep learning feature, um, some of the companies spoke with, and this isn't including everybody, but uh, uh, let's see, we got um, Credit Suisse. Society General, Wells Fargo, Bloomberg, Lyons Bernstein, uh, Cinecron, UBS Asset Management, um, uh, GSA Capital Partners, uh, IBM, Algomi, Panagora Asset Management, uh, just a ton of different, uh, both vendors, end users, um, uh, buy side, sell side, uh, and it's hopefully find it interesting. I think that this is going to be, it's still early days on deep learning. Again, which is a subset of machine learning. You know, most people are still using like linear regressions, decision tree, things like that. But there will be advancements that'll be made that will help push deep learning even further. So right now, it's more of an experimental stage. You're quite misunderstood as well, right? I think it's, so. You know, um, it's amazing actually. Since word got out that Tony was doing one of his Malakian specials on this, how reporters from other times have been hovering around us, going, "So." Uh, Tony's piece, is that out yet? Can I have a look? <laughs> I kind of need to know what deep learning is. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this will be really good insights, both actual real-world examples as to how it's being used today, and then just talking about some of the, the barriers that still exist. And um, So yeah, hopefully you guys uh, check that out. Um, so that will all be for the December issue. Um, deep learning will go Monday. Deep learning will go Monday, yes. Wei Shen, oh, so what's already live? Wei Shen's feature. Wei Shen's piece is live. Uh, my piece is live. Uh, we will have the cover-up later this week. Um, then your piece will go Monday, and we'll have Joe and, and Hamad's sort of backing up the week okay. after that. Very good. Yeah. Um, and then there will be a lot of articles uh, probably coming out from Waters USA. Yeah, uh, I mean, and also if you come to USA, Waters USA, we should have the issue there, I think. Uh, for the yeah, maybe, issue. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, we'll see. In which case, you get a sneak peek at stuff before it yeah. goes online. So, Absolutely. You know, um just to uh, round things off, and you mentioned you kind of hit already with uh, the feature that you wrote. A lot of dramatic scenes around uh, Brexit right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Um, that wheel keeps on turning. That's yeah, good. I again, it's in something I follow. I think I'm most interested in what happens with Gibraltar than anything else. <laughs> you know, just uh, you know, the gateway to Europe, and uh, yeah, just be interested to see if uh, Theresa May is willing to give up everything, you know, just to make this thing happen or whatever. It kind of has to, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, this whole thing, like, I've read through the document all 
hundreds of pages of it, and I don't know why I did it because I didn't glean anything particularly good from it that I could have got from the pressy. But well, let me <laughs> yeah, so just two things because again, this isn't something I really follow that much. I just you know I only have so much RAM in this head to be able to. <laughs> What well, Why are we kind of talking about this? Obviously, there was some big events that have happened here recently. So what are kind of the big events that have happened with Brexit? And then is there anything that maybe has changed that, as far as our audience, our readers are concerned, that they should keep in mind? Really? I mean, um, you know, as the draft agreement, um, a lot of it's quite unsatisfactory, I guess, from every perspective. But, it, you know, whether you're thinking about things at the board with Ireland, or you're thinking about financial services, or you're thinking about... Um, how long UK is sort of being subject to European rules, which, <laughs> spoiler alert, is forever, probably, um, if they want to maintain equivalence. Um, if there is a transition period, which is good, um, where the UK will still accept European regulations and just enters them in as law onto its statute books, um, while they hammer the kind of the fine details out. And then they've said that there will be an equivalence determination for financial services following this, um, which, you know, is the best that the UK could really hope for. They're not going to let them be part of the single market. They're not going to let them have a MIFID passport or anything like that. It's going to be treated exactly the same as uh, Hong Kong is treated or the US or, you know, any other third country that's not part of the, the European Union. Um, I think this probably makes it a lot more likely. It's probably better. Well, it is definitely better than having a no-deal Brexit. Mm-hmm. Still not great. I mean, yeah. like... That's you know, just a hard... Bre- that's what's called a hard Brexit? Yeah, a hard yeah. Brexit, where you just bomb out and everything reverts back to, like, World Trade Organization tariffs and that kind of thing, and, yeah. you know, all the farmers in southern England simultaneously shoot themselves. Um, but there's nothing good in any of this. Do you think there's any chance that, you know... Apart from Europe. Um, <laughs> that Theresa May decides, you know what... I just, I'm going to, this will be my legacy, but I'm going to go, the right thing for us is to do another referendum and just go forward with it. Because I I was speaking with some Brits, some of my other British friends that do think that that it will be what happens. That may be what happens. Uh, And I used to think that would be the case, that she would just say, I'm going to resign, but I'm going to put up to another referendum. This one is binding. Um, I don't think she will do that now. And like having had some time, I mean, obviously I'm anti-Brexit personally and politically. I think the damage that would do to representative democracy is too hard to do. There was a people's vote already. We voted against it. Yes, it was a very slim margin. Yes, most of the people voted against it are now dead, but already. Um, Stupid to have as but a But it's a referendum. referendum. You can't just... Exactly. And, like, li- listen, like, you know, by this logic, if you have another, another referendum, you have to vote for Remain by an absolute landslide. Otherwise, by your own logic, the results are therefore invalid. What? This one, so... I mean, because I think that there is something to be said for people saying we were not properly informed with the first go-round. Sure. We now, in much more stark, clear terms, do understand. And now maybe the people say, yeah, screw it. And maybe to your point, maybe with this referendum, I don't know if if you can set like thing, but say it's got to be a two-thirds majority in order to overturn this, kind of something like that. I don't know. You can do it. I just think it sets a a wrong precedent for referendum. And this is the thing, you know, there is a referendum for a reason, and people not being educated on it, I'm sorry, but that's your fault. And, like, maybe this teaches you a lesson for the future, actually, to maybe you should actually start reading things before you vote on something. Yeah. Maybe you should Don't just believe everything that's on the side of the Don't just believe everything. Honestly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, they talked about that money, which has been found out to be an outright lie to starters. They didn't say anything about, like, having food banks and yeah. running out of medicine, did they? Um, so, you know what? Like, take some goddamn responsibility. You are adults. You're allowed to vote for a reason because you are considered to be of the age of maturity that you can do something. Yeah. 
complaining that we were misled, uh, the Tories lied to us. Surprise, you know. Um, I'm sorry, take responsibility, learn from this mistake, which is going to be a very costly mistake, because I guarantee you we'll be back in the European Union within a decade or two, but without any of our exemptions, without any of the special carve-outs we negotiated, um, probably having to subscribe to a single currency as well. Yeah. They're going to be a lot worse off because of this, and this should teach the public a lesson. Well, I think it also uh, taught other European nations that were maybe thinking, yeah, I want to leave the EU too. It's like, yeah. the mighty Great Britain can't do it, you definitely ain't doing it. Well, I mean, and this is the worrying thing that it has shown, I think, and I'm, I'm very pro-European, you know, the idea of the project I'm fully behind, but I think it has shown the level of, um, that's the right word I'm looking for, it kind of the extent to which the European Union will go to protect itself at the expense of one of its members that is still a member up until the point it leaves. Um, You know, it has been a vindictive and bitter campaign pursued, obviously by England, and by England, I said probably England's actually right, England and Wales, because Scotland and Northern Ireland didn't want to get out. Um, But the European Union hasn't exactly covered itself in glory either over this. Uh Um, You know, they've been just as bad in sort of saying things have to be done by arbitrary dates or that certain things have to remain in there and that... They're so concerned about the Republic of Ireland that this has to be a sticking point for the whole thing. They don't, yeah. they don't give two shits about it. Like yeah. They care about it's Germany and France comparing, uh, caring about controlling the economy and having the lion's share of the spoils afterwards. And that's kind of exposed a, a certain ugliness within the European Union and a certain lack of democratic accountability that needs to be fixed, I think. And mm. that, you know, if the European Union learns anything from this, it should be a, a real examination of its own policies and what led to the UK leaving, rather than look how we screwed over the Brits. Uh, that'll teach them for not really being proper members. Yeah. They were never European ever. Now we're finally free of them. Well, guess what, guys? You've lost one of your major economies. You've lost one of your major contributors to the legal and regulatory apparatus in the European Union. And you've lost a huge social factor as well. well and so. this could be one of those things that where right now everything looks so good for the EU, those un- unknown um, consequences, unintended consequences yeah. down the road that could end up, who knows, that create you know, landslide events that just destroy the EU, that can still possibly happen. So right now everybody's celebrating on the EU side. I'm not sure that this game is far from over, even after Brexit happens. Particularly worrying in places like Germany, we have Angela Merkel, who is leaving office, and you have a far-right sort of pseudo-fascist coming into power uh, in Hungary. Exactly, in Poland and those places. The the very fabric of democracy in Europe is under a threat at the moment. And yes, the UK has prompted this in a certain way by playing silly buggers with its departure. But it's also a time when the European Union should maybe have been a bit more understanding and said, look, guys, we need you in here. Like, if you, we can work something out. Yeah. Rather than just from day one going, cool, well, uh, you know, cheers um, for everything. And, uh, yeah. oh, by the way, you are 65 billion euros. Um, so <laughs> better back that, guys, because I don't think you'll be getting another penny out of uh, the UK without a fight after that. But, yeah, anyway, right. it's, a, it's a lose-lose situation, unless you're the EU. So... So, yeah, well, like I said, I, I, it's, I follow it tangentially, but I can't speak as an authority. We should have had, like, Robert McKenzie Smith or something, a good well, we Tory to on. They didn't you know? want to, did they? Yeah, yeah they're, they're afraid. <laughs> so, they're afraid uh, to come in here. Because yeah. when we talk politics, I come at it from a conservative side. You come at it from a liberal side. But this, yeah, I, I thought it was a stupid idea just to even open up to a referendum full stop. That yeah. Something this important over trade, it just goes to show how stupid England is in so many different well, ways. You know what I want to know? Where is David Cameron, that red-faced <laughs> prick, right now? They're kicking all this off. Like, he's currently in financial conferences posing He was against it from the beginning, right? He just... he well, So this, he decided... This whole thing was just to yeah. quell an internecine conflict within his own yeah. party. Like, a civil war within the Conservative Party between the... 
UKIP forces and the traditional kind of, you know, homegrown, home county conservatives. And it backfired horribly. And then he immediately scarped off. Same with Boris Johnson. Same with David Davis. Same with... Um, I mean, the ones that we're advocating for, I, I feel that they're that that's reprehensible. That they're all just kind of be like, mm, let me go shrink into the shadows mm. now. Cameron, I, you know, I, I gotta be honest, and I'm not sure also how prime ministers work after they're done prime ministering over in England. You know, presidents over here tend to go kind of quiet traditionally. They tend to go to the back know, benches yeah. instead of they stay um, in parliament. Generally, Cameron yeah. basically, you said, I don't agree with this. I'm gonna be out if you guys do this, but hey, let's yeah. do it. And thinking that it was kind of like a Scotland vote, you know, be like. You guys always talk that you want to leave, but then when we have the referendum, you stay, and then we get to say. And I think that there was just an ego, maybe, or just a a misunderstanding as to how many people were going to show up for this that never show up to vote, you know? And you get the howl at the moon crazies that come out for these kind of votes. Exactly. You get the howl at the moon crazies. And they get the howl at the moon crazies who are now being listened to. People like Jacob Rees-Mogg, who's kind of a manifestation of a Victorian child's nightmare in Made Fresh. Great name, though. Great Great name. name. And he's all for, (laughs) you know, leaving leaving the European Union, because the second we do, he's just going to move his hedge funds to the Caymans or something like that, you know? Um, We need people like David Cameron, who, as much as I despise him, um, was a moderate voice in the Conservative Party. You need that right now to drown out the crazies. Um, And we don't have that. And it's a a sad moment. But then again, you know, final point, the referendum thing, which you just raised, which is interesting. You know, if we do have a second referendum, What's to say then that the Scottish question doesn't get reopened? Yeah. Or like, you know, the Northern Irish question gets reopened and that kind of thing. Well, it's funny because like, it, it's such a catch point too. Because if you re, I, I think that, you know, in many ways, it again, uneducated, just look at this. And that's what got us into this point was people voting uneducated. But it would seem to me that, again, I always thought the idea of a referendum is just dumb for something like this. Um, so you do another one and say, okay, you all have the facts now. You can decide now. But and then if you go, then screw it. We go and we do hard Brexit, whatever it is. We bend yeah. over and let you take us. But God, you would disenfranchise. You, you would drive people crazy. It's good that you guys don't have guns, basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. in the country because that would be something that would lead you. Because if you still support this and yeah. you had to vote, you would be enraged. I'm looking at it from the flip side. Exactly, you said. But we won the referendum. Just and then all like the, the people result, that you can't have been have quiet again, about so, it will kind yeah. of come back out and be like, "Yeah, look, they're screwing us on doing this referendum again." Or a lot of people who are on the fence about it, but yeah. like, kind of voted, remain cautiously. We're just like, well, "Hold on a second, like, you know, I'm going to vote leave now because we did this last time, and now you're circumventing democracy because yeah. right? you don't like the result. You're asking the question again. That's not how yeah. it works. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Well, yeah. So. Uh, Glad to see that there's fellow craziness, you know? I mean, as we're doing all our stuff over here, you guys still crazy over yeah, there. It's good to see. The difference see. between you guys is yours is going to last for a couple more years, maybe, whereas ours is really quite permanent. Ours so. will only, yeah, exa- exactly, yeah, exactly. Uh, hopefully ours will only last for a couple more years. Um, all righty. So, again, December 3rd, which is a Monday, James. Which is a Monday. I'll, I'm going to literally write that down right now. Uh, at the Convene on West 46th Street, uh, Waters, USA. Um, reach out to us if you want a ticket and you're an end user. Um, if you were a vendor, you will have to pay a fee. Uh, but we can also, you know, there's going to be a lot of people in that audience that you're going to want to talk to, I think, yeah. um, and that, you know, might be interested to hear from you. Um, all right. So that's all we got for this week. We will have some guests. We'll probably, not sure what we're going to do next week, but I imagine it'll be a Waters USA recap. Um, but who knows, maybe. I and mean, we do have some guests coming up. And then finally, you know, so over uh, the Christmas uh, Jewish holiday break, there. I know I'm supposed to say holiday break overall, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't. I don't know what's happening. Uh, 
we're going to be off. Yep. So we won't have this podcast. Um, I'm actually going to be in London as well for one of the weeks, so I don't know how we're going to manage that. Uh, maybe I'll do, you know, call with somebody else, something like that. Bring on some new blood. Um, but, yeah, we'll see about that. Uh, but so, but for the new year, we are looking for guests. Um, so if you have, you know, if you want to be on, you know, and you got an interesting topic that you want to discuss, love to hear hey, from you. 15 if, minutes of your time, and then we buy you beer afterwards. It's exactly. A, it's a good deal. At nice. LeBlanc Cheval, LeBlanc otherwise Cheval. known as the White Horse. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, hopefully we get to see you at Waters USA. Please do come up and chat with us if you are there and give us your thoughts on what we're doing here and how we can improve. Um, Until then, we'll just assume that everything is perfect and you guys have a great weekend. Cheers.